The Guardian. Welcome to the latest episode of the Sydney Siege Inquest podcast. I'm Bridie Jabor. And I'm Michael Safi. And we're at the end of the week of the latest segment of hearings. Now, all week we've heard from the police who were involved in Man Haron Monis's bail. They always oppose the bail. They put in applications against the bail. And today we finally heard from the solicitor who processed that bail, Michael. Just, just to set the scene here, um, police detective constable um, Melanie Staples made a couple of, of big claims this week. One of them was that... Uh, she believed that the uh, solicitor who handled Monis's December 2013 bail case had, by her own admission, done a pretty, pretty crappy job of the case. And that's what she apparently passed on to her superiors. The second big claim was that she had handed that DPP solicitor uh, a briefing note laying out exactly why uh, Manharon Monis should not have been um, granted bail. So all of this great evidence. In the note, she said that he had been on bail when the the alleged offence occurred, which is very key because this fact was never put through the, uh, uh, in front of the court. And if it had been, the decision about his bail could have been very different. But anyway, sorry, Michael, back to you. Well, that's exactly right. So it, it was these, this evidence about him being a potential flight risk, about these previous offences. But where it all goes wrong is that the DPP solicitor uh, we had heard before claimed that he's never received this document. And today they had their day on, on the stand. Now, the important thing is we can't mention the name of this solicitor because the name has been suppressed, nor can we mention the gender or any kind of identifying detail. This solicitor finally had their day on the stand. And I have to tell you, it was kind of like watching, um, you know, a principal grilling a student, like, or, you know, some sort of authority figure really giving someone else a dressing down because Gormley, who, you know, obviously a very accomplished lawyer, sort of was giving the impression that he was not very impressed with the way this solicitor um, handled themselves. Um, and so we got sort of an extensive line of questioning about the way in which this solicitor handled records, um, what they did with information they were given, whether they kept notes. And, you know, the, the kind of big narrative of the week has been who, is, who has been who was responsible for Monis being on bail? Was it the DPP or the police? And up until today, I thought, I thought the police looked like, looked like they were in a bit of trouble. But... You know, I think today has really swung it, and it's the DPP who are, who are, um, who are I think, in the dock now, the ones who I think we can, we can possibly blame for him being on trial. On, so, on so what did they say happened? Well, it started with the revelation that this solicitor had actually thrown out their notes relating to Bonas' uh, hearings in November 2014, and it kind of didn't get any better than that. Um, we heard, for example, that uh, an email had been sent by the police and received by this particular solicitor outlining why Monis was a flight risk. So fast forward to a month later, during this kind of infamous bail hearing, and the judge, we were read from a transcript, and the judge asked, so, you know, is there any suggestion that Mr. Monis might be a flight risk? And the lawyer says, well, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. I'll have to go back and check that. When we know in, you know, in black and white, this solicitor has received an email outlining exactly why Monis is a flight risk. Um, now, that email wasn't printed. It was not even, I mean, clearly, uh, they were not across the facts. Um, we also heard that uh, the uh, defence barrister, or rather the, bar- the barrister who was trying to get, get Monis uh, bail, had produced a 30-page detailed document. It was, um, it was written, it was all there for the magistrate to read over, and most importantly, the DPP solicitor knew this was coming because they had been talking with uh, Manny Konditsis, who was Monis's lawyer. You know, they'd been talking about what was coming, about what evidence uh, Konditsis had gathered. So there was a very, I mean, this person, the solicitor should have known that there was, you know, a pretty, a pretty serious brief coming. 
Nonetheless, they produced uh, no written statements, no written evidence for the judge. They turned up, made some fairly poor oral submissions, apparently, and unsurprisingly, Monis walked out that day. And, and just going back one step, they said they threw out their notes from the case. Did they have a reason for that? I think just housekeeping. I think it was just, you know, tidying up the office. They figured those notes were no longer necessary and they, they turfed them, which I think, I mean, even to, even to a journalist, that is extraordinary, this idea that you would throw out notes, you know, without, without even considering the possibility that one day you may have to go back and deal with them, particularly when the person in question was still facing uh, serious charges on two separate offences. I mean, it's, it's beyond belief. And that's obviously the big story of the day. Were there any small stories, any other little incidental details you heard in the hours in the inquest today? I have to say, it was a shortened day just because the entirety, the entirety of the first of the morning and then a bit of the early afternoon too was taken up by discussion over legal professional privilege. So perhaps that's the little story, this attempt by the DPP to keep secret um, six documents which you know, we think reveal the kinds of stuff-ups that we, we heard about um, from the witness today. So, you know, I'd say the big story and the little story here are linked together. And the common theme is, I think, the DPP trying to, to cover its butt and make sure that, you know, whatever mistakes it made are not scrutinised too, um, you know, too closely by the inquest. Not covering very well by the sounds of it. No, not at all. And, and like, as I told you, I think, you know, leading up to today, my sense was that it was the police who had made mistakes. But... Look, I think just listening to uh, this witness today, it, it, you, you really think that, I mean, it, it shocks you that this very important public institution is so overworked or, you know, so stretched that, you know, lawyers are routinely turning up to hearings up against, you know, well-briefed and well-resourced opposition and, uh, you know, apparently unable to hold their own. And I mean, you know, the other thing to remember is there are two bail hearings where there are kind of we have serious questions to ask of the DPP. This was the December 2013 hearing. There's another one, which was the October 2014 hearing, two months before the siege, where an independent bail panel has already said that there were there were problems that this this could have been handled differently. And the independent bail panel found that the December 2013 hearing was fine and it. it it went as it should have and the decision that was made was an understandable decision. I wonder if they could change their mind on new evidence that has been presented to the inquest because so, yeah. I don't think they're aware of this evidence. No, no and I suspect that the new evidence is that, is that Melanie Staples had handed this information to the DPP and apparently it wasn't acted upon. And so we're going to see next week whether that makes them reconsider their decision. But, you know, it seems to me, you know, the, the kind of the, the errors of the DPP are beginning to pile up and they're only going to get bigger next week. So we're going to hear from the bail expert panel next week, are we? Do you know when? Uh, we don't know when. We, Monday will, will be taken up by this witness. Um, I think the idea is sort of Tuesday, Wednesday will be the bail panel. But this whole the whole inquest has been completely blown off its timeline by this kind of elongated and frankly quite dull arguing over what documents should be covered by legal professional privilege. I mean, we've had at least a full day of hearings now um, taken up by, you know, arguments between lawyers that we can't report on. And so it's, you know, I, it's very difficult to say when exactly this bail panel will be assembled. Obviously a bad day for the solicitor. Who was it a good day for? Sure. I think it was a good day for uh, counsel assisting Jeremy Gormley, who I think, uh, you know, has been playing a fairly straight bat throughout the inquest so far. But, you know, I mean, look, Bridie, you and I have both covered ICAC. And one of the most exciting things about that is... Um, Jeffrey Watson getting stuck into witnesses when he you have a sense that Watson Watson knows this person's lying or else 
you know, is in a bit of trouble. And he's got a real feel for the theatre of it as well. Exactly. Well, today, I think Gormley got to get in on that act because, you know, for the first time we got a sense that he, you know, a sense of what submissions he make and he could make down the track. Um, and I think one of them will be that this lawyer, this DPP solicitor, um, was simply, you know, not prepared, not briefed. I mean, the exact quote he said, I'll, I'll, here I'll find it, he said that basically uh, the DPP solicitor did not put up a proper case, and this is the quote, because you had not prepared sufficiently to enable that information to be available, to be provided by the court. Now, you know, as lawyers go, that is a pretty big slapdown, and I think we can expect that to be reflect, reflected in the um, submissions he makes to the coroner at the end of this inquiry. Great. Well, this might even be running beyond next week. They, they weren't even meant to sit on Friday, and they have, but you'll be hearing us again yeah, on get, get Monday. Get used to our voices. We'll be around for a while. <laughs> we'll be chatting again at the end of Monday's evidence. And if you like the sound of that, you can subscribe via iTunes, or you can go to our website, which is theguardian.com forward slash au. For more great downloads, head to theguardian.com slash audio.